Jelly Log for Thursday, April 28th. How's it hanging? What does that mean? How's it going? Good. Um, all right. We have a great show prepared for you today, listeners. What is that guy's name? The listener? Johnny Hoops or something? Uh, on Midnight Gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we have just like one listener and then his dad is like, why are you listening to this? Probably. Um, actually, it's funny because I haven't uploaded the last many. So, <laughs> like six at once. It's I like think a season. It's, it's my um, subconscious way of making it so people can't listen. Cannot? Yeah. Oh. You want to hold information, withhold information from them. Yeah you have all the power i don't know our single the one listener out in the cosmos is probably really disappointed upset with me he hasn't contacted you <laughs> yeah send me a signal <laughs> <laughs> yeah if anyone is listening to this please just tweet at us being like oh, i'm listening to this one on april 28th <laughs> or should it be like a code word should be a code word Johnny message. Hoops. Is his name Johnny Hoops? His last name is Hoops. Mm, I guess you can... The code word can be for you to go watch that episode and figure out what it is. And then specifically episode two, I think. Episode three of Midnight Gospel. Something like that. Um, Goes to get the ice cream. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah, what's happened in the last week? Wrote a lot of code. We've been busy. Surfed a lot of waves. So uh, it hasn't been that good. Yeah, it hasn't been that good. Surfline changed their like reporting thing, and so I think everybody's been getting thrown off. Well, I don't check, so I'm not getting thrown off. Oh, well, I've been checking, and then they like... Before, basically, every day would just be good. So they have a scale where like... Um, the waves today and the wind and then they give it like a grade so it's like fair to poor uh good and then epic and then now they've introduced like two more colors so like more gradations of it mm. and now they're saying like it's epic or good and orange and it's very disorienting hmm. i for a long time i've been wanting to build a competitor to surfline which is might happen one day but i really wish that what whatever services whatever service existed was more local like the data was not by a computer but by like someone who actually lives quite close to where you're like it still requires a human it's like there's you use computers and buoy data for a first draft but the human actually verifies it and uh, introduces some curation that makes it more accurate yeah you could like feed the data into like a gpt thing to make like a poem <laughs> based on the conditions for yeah that day. i've been wanting to do that something like that or like a jingle mm-hmm. like a morning jingle yeah why so open has text it has 
image. But can it have sound? Um, I mean, I think it can. It could. I don't know if they do currently. That would be really cool. You could do like a jingle, like your alarm to wake you up based on if it's like... The conditions. Yeah. So if it's like really pumping, then it's like exciting. Get ready. But that if it's like cool. calm, it's like, you know, chill, relax. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, but that's what I wanted long squirrel. I want the long squirrel to be like, we do the town one, but then there's some other human, North Shore, that does the North Shore one, country one, and then someone in California does the California one, but we all use the same tech. Yeah. It's like a network. Yeah. A network of whimsy. And each space or each location has their own flavor so you don't get this like monoculture you're like wrapped up right now in sweatshirt and a fuzzy blanket yeah i've been wearing this blanket every day while i code it reminds me of when i was a kid because it would be so cold in seattle i bring my blanket to the computer <laughs> and the blanket was really heavy and I would sit there, and then I would use aim or something. You would not move under the blanket. Yeah. You would just be like a stone. <laughs> like downloading music off Kazaa. A statue whatever. covered in snow, just in front of the glowing, glowing screen. In front of the screen. <laughs> just sitting there. Worship the screen. I've been worshiping the screen since I was 11. Little 14-year-olds little indeed doing that. <laughs> I feel like people should talk about their computers that way, not talk about them What, like a religious idol? Yeah, they should be no. like, did you use the screen today? <laughs> so today on the screen. Uh, see, now you're just saying one word in particular. Yeah, I think we should use screen instead of internet or web or whatever. <laughs> or just like the World Wide Web. I've been calling it the World Wide Web now because I've been bringing a GoPro out to surf. And then some people are like, are you taking video of me? And I'm like, no, but I could. And you could be famous. And I could put you on the world wide web. That's very weird. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? That made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> this is really weird. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but we did watch your GoPro footage. Yeah. This yesterday. No, two days it's okay. ago. It's okay. I have... I've accepted that in my life I'm never going to be a cameraman because I have no patience with GoPro. What do you mean? Like buttons, many buttons, buttons <laughs> that open new menus with more buttons, <clears throat> like not not my thing. What about old analog cameras where, just where one button is good, one button is good. Yeah. <laughs> but GoPro is so annoying. It's like press these two buttons at the same time, press this button for this many seconds to do this. And then if you press the button the same way, you get a different result. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the, uh, one of the bad things I think that happened of the appleification of tech. Because hmm. I think and when it came to technology design for products, there's like the pre-Apple moment and the post-Apple moment. And like, I have a lot of opinions about this. Apple's like still pretty, it's really confusing. So it, it's all about, everything for our generation is about vibes, <laughs> like vibes and aesthetic. Mm. And so Apple's always tried to pursue the like, 
you're gonna sacrifice a little bit of functionality or a little bit of convenience because it's gonna look better and you're gonna feel better using yeah. it. So with this more limited interface where you get one button mm -hmm. or one little There's scroll wheel. not even wheel. a button anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, you remember when the uh, original iPod had the scroll wheel when yeah. the buttons were on the scroll wheel? And then wheel? I could never figure out how and to then, get where I wanted to go. Yeah, and then they had the version that didn't have the buttons anymore or something. But um, the idea was you could pack more dimensionality into like one interface with like long press, short press, repeat, like hold and then press again. Like I had to reconnect my watch to my computer. No, I had to reconnect my Pixel Buds, my earbuds from Google that my dad gave me to my computer. And you had to like open the case and then hold. And like all of these things, it's like just obfuscating this. I think, I don't know. I mean, this I is one of those it. strategies where if you do the experience really well and it always works then it's great but if anything goes wrong the experience like becomes like negative 1000 bad <laughs> I, I mean so yes if you once you know how it works then it's fine no it you should never have to know how it works exactly so that, it should be intuitive i was gonna go down this route of like that kind of design is oppressive or it it is a corrupt power balance because it forces you to like detach from whatever you're working on that's more important in your life to like go into the brain of the designer and understand the designer's intention and to like get on board with it and but agree with it. But that just means the designer did a bad job. No, no, no. I mean, say the designer, they did a good job designing the thing, but it's just very convoluted because that the mean... designer only has one button available. Or they made it but, so that there's only one button. Isn't that like by definition like the designer didn't do the job well? I would say that's maybe in the realm of opinion because let's just say the let's just say the designer prioritized going down that kind of route they want you to do work yes sure my my point is what i'm trying to get at is that uh it's very like it forces you it's an abusive relationship it forces you to well it's not abusive if the person wants to be abused that way <laughs> Because I can think of a lot of yeah. things in which I choose to buy something because I don't want to know how it works. Where you don't want all of that. Yeah, extra I don't want you to show me all the buttons. Just like put it all in the black box. I don't know. I think it's uh, like challenge. a microwave. Do I really want to know how a microwave works? So okay, this is this is the challenge, and I think one of the. The slippery slopes of technology is as technology becomes more and more powerful and we want as users we expect more functionality like Moore's law 10 years ago a toaster oven had two buttons but today we expect a toaster oven to have 20 different modes yeah just because we expect technology to always progress and like for how you spend your money you should get more efficiency or optimization mm -hmm. or power out of it but like why can't there be products where someone is just like you know what you're only going to get two modes because you only need two modes there are. and if you are looking for different modes this isn't the thing for yeah, you yeah there are no but i think people don't do that because the way to make money and the thing it's like marvel movies like they just know that if you pump out the fifth sequel to the series like it's just guaranteed money and so they do it because it's easy because it's the because way they're driven it. by profits yes as opposed to like Really understanding the 
the needs of the total who's out there and serving that particular group. Yeah. And saying like, you know what? I'm not going to take, I don't care about making everyone happy. I'm just going to make the 2% of the people who really care about this thing and make them happy. So but like, I still think that, I don't think the 2% part is accurate. I think it's like 98% of people would be happy with that thing. It's just that, 98% of the people also are driven by the same um, incentives they, as profits. they think that they're driven by that same... Like, they're, they're, they're taught to and they're told in Yeah, society. they're told, like, yeah. more is better, yeah. like, fancier is better. And so even if they only need the two-button thing, or the two-button thing is actually the best option for them because of their... Because of what other people think is valuable because of what they've learned and never questioned. They think 10 buttons always better than nine. Yes. So Asian parents, the kind that read Consumer Reports magazine. My dad loves Consumer Reports. Like, that's, that's that mentality, which is, But Consumer oh, Reports does, like, often recommend a vacuum cleaner that has less buttons than the... Do they? They do, yeah. You know this? Yeah, because I <laughs> read Consumer Reports growing up. <laughs> you read the vacuum review? It was like one of the few magazines that my dad paid for. And I read all of them. And then I have... I. It's very clear to me how the Consumer Reports design changed over time, too. And the display of information in those magazines changed. And how they became worse. And you felt like they started to try to service a larger more generalized mainstream audience as opposed to sticking to their original vision i don't know what their original vision was i just knew that like i don't know there are a lot of dimensions to vacuum cleaners and i was like why isn't the roomba on here because it wasn't in the category because it wasn't like a stand-up vacuum yeah hmm I wanted to relate this to like trunk and content stuff, but but I think trunk will end up having a lot of these unnecessary like features that are not necessary for the ninety nine percent of people, but are absolutely necessary for the one percent. The super rich. <laughs> yeah. The like. Well, I think there's a difference between content creators and content consumers, and content creators often need a lot more stuff if they're producing a lot of stuff yeah. than someone who's just reading. And the reading people might need some other stuff. That... That's true. But I think... Yeah. I mean, I think one of our values is we want to create... We want a content consumer to just as easily become a content creator, mm -hmm. right? So how do you make that transition or that label um, equally easy to pick up versus like what is the gatekeeping behaviors or patterns or is it just a mentality or is it tools or is it... I think it's... It also depends on the format. I think it's so com it's not very complicated in that you want to make whatever behavior is like the production 
like human producing something in trunk very simple and they could stay there for a hundred years or they could stay doing that same thing for as long as they want they never have to advance but once you decide that you want to advance we should be very um welcoming to uh, inviting them to show them the power of the advanced tool which I think it's very similar to surfing. It's like you could surf a wave storm for your whole life and like you could still have a lot of fun and get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But if you ever want to stop surfing the wave storm and do something else, it shouldn't be so hard to understand or to try out all the other Yeah, so aspects. now we're back on the topic of progression. Of and like, when do you go from... Like, being someone who's curious about the world to someone who's, like, producing experimental results that then should be consumed by others. And <clears throat> what motivates the person who is the consumer versus someone then who becomes the creator? Like, the soul skater version versus the commercial, like, institutional, industrial worker. Mm. Like an academic scientist. Yeah. I mean, both of those personas will probably, if this thing is widely used, both personas will exist. Mm. And I think there is a, so there's a discussion in the Slack, experiment Slack yesterday about if we should call our scientists experiment researchers. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know the answer to the question, but I, I then started to think about other platforms and what they call their users and why they call their users Wait, what so they call what them. what were the arguments for and against? So... Why question it? Against is, like, these people don't work at experiment. They don't do science at, like, an institute. And I think that... Well, David brought up the question, and I think the question only exists because of the existing system that we're in. So because people identify as University of Washington researcher or Stanford researcher or independent researcher by using researcher, the language researcher, and adding a company's name before it, it has a certain meaning because of how other people use the thing. And then the other one was like, the other argument is like, we should call them experiment researchers because we have approved their projects. We are endorsing anything on the site. So why not? Why um, ignore the fact that we are doing a picking and choosing of the thing? Which, like, there are a lot of issues in here that I think um, comes down to our, meaning Denny and my, like, uh, the holes in which we have not expressed uh, what our intentions were. Yeah. And, uh, but that's not the, like, that's not where I started to try to find the answer. Where I started to try to find the answer to this question is thinking about other platforms or other um, areas in life where people, I guess, label themselves and how they label themselves. So uh, Kickstarter calls their people Kickstarter creators. Mm-hmm. And I think Kickstarter creator is an appropriate term because there are no professional creators. Like you don't 
say like, I want to go to school to become a creator, but you do say, I want to go to school to become an engineer or become a professional scientist. And so when you become a professional scientist, you could become a university of Washington scientist, or you could become a Tesla engineer, but you don't ever go and become a Google creator or a Tesla creator. You're just saying the specifically the word creator. So the word creator works for, can work for a platform like, um, kickstarter but the word researcher doesn't work for experiment or there's like a it might work it might not work question because researcher is a professional career Uh, researcher is very ambiguous researcher is kind of like a very large term which can mean a lot of stuff i think that's why it's uh, that's why the question exists is because it's ambiguous versus if you called them an experiment user then it's much less ambiguous but even then you're still what you're trying to do is like um, specify the role that they play on the platform so mm-hmm. even user isn't good enough there so like are they front are they backers are they but I think admins? user is very it doesn't it encompasses all of those things but researcher because research is a verb in itself that means a lot of things you study something you explore things researchers do all of these things and do they do those uh, behaviors for experiment they don't or sometimes they do but they don't always but if you're a user of experiment when you're using the site you are uh, using the platform yeah and i thought about reddit too like reddit often i don't know if reddit does this but the community refers to redditors as their username which i i also have this question of like when we refer to researchers that are on the experiment platform how do we uh how should we uh i guess address them so should i call you denny luan should i call you dr luan should i call you professor luan should I call you the dude? Or should I call you, like, username Denny D. Luan? Well, it's definitely not personas. Um, sorry, I guess Reddit's anonymous, so that's why, like, usernames work there. And it, that's part of the expectation when you join the site and, like, the understanding when you participate in the community. For science, and especially for experiments, it's different because, like, your personal identity is part of what helps to vet the projects. Um, and it's also part of what makes people want to contribute to projects. Because of who you are in real life yes. and your identity in real life. No, but also just who is the person who's doing the science? Who is the person who's asking the question? Who's the person who's... And that includes things like biases and a background, but also um, the story. Like mm-hmm. That's what makes it more interesting. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah. I realize that this question has like there are a lot of issues like it's not a one issue question it's like a multi issue question which is why it's hard to discuss (laughs) oh so what's the answer it depends I mean is there an outcome for the I think the outcome is um don't change what you're doing until there is there is some decision and there may be no decision I agree. But I feel like this actually puts... So Jonathan's the one writing the tweets. Like, it actually puts Jonathan in a weird position. Why? 
because he has to continue to write tweets, but there's no consensus on, like, I think he should just keep doing what he's doing. And I feel like I should tell him that because I, if I were in his position, I would kind of feel like, so what am I supposed to do moving forward? Oh, because it wasn't clear then there was an outcome. Reached. Yeah. Or consensus. Or reached. if there needed to be a consensus. Yeah, no, there reached. should definitely yeah. be like a, okay, here's what we're going to do now. Yeah. But right now, I think this is a, this is one of the reasons why I've been wanting to address experiments like, um, like a structure because right now the lack of structure makes it hard for people working there to know so in the case when there's a uh, issue like this how does it get resolved and who resolves it and who's in charge and like so i think in this case it ended up being resolved as a group discussion right well it was never resolved oh well then i mean when you go to slack next time and well you i say, assume that here's the outcome that we're going to move forward with which requires discussion I thought the discussion was already happening. Yeah, but there's no consensus. I mean, then this is the example, the, a good example of why I think um, you either have to have good systems in place to establish consensus quickly or just have someone whose shul shoulders this falls on. So it's totally fine to have this discussion, I think, <clears throat> but if it ends up just being a discussion and there's no deadline for consensus, then like, it's not helpful. I know. So then um, why not just time box it and say, we're going to decide by next Wednesday. I think David's out of town. Oh. Can, does that stop a decision from being made? Well, does a decision need to be made? Because if a decision needs to be made, then who makes the decision? If I mean, you said you felt like well, and Jonathan didn't say that he needed a decision, but if I were in Jonathan's position, I would want a decision. So what I will do is I'll go to Slack and say, hey, can we make a decision soon? Okay. And I'll put a deadline. Okay. Because I don't think um, this has to but be the, complicated. But the complicated thing is like, there's no, um, it's not clear who's, who's in charge. Just point okay, to me. Okay, I'll point it like, to you. I don't think it needs to be confusing or ambiguous or make you feel mysterious. Just like make it super clear and explicit for now until you come up with a better solution. That the explicitness is asked any. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that just simplifies it for now. But I think this is the discussion that tore Kickstarter apart. What? The discussion of when a research or when a user is on the platform fundraising are they representing kickstarter as a brand and if they are representing kickstarter as a brand then do we want to censor certain types of projects that is why i think the discussion this the question and the issues of this question are very important if experiment chooses to scale i mean i think it it's super clear to me that there's always been an answer for us, which is yes. That we are we are endorsing every single thing that's on the site. And it's not out of a sense of experiments brand. It's actually out of a sense of scientific ethics. That's like based on the things that we think are ethical or the community has said is ethical. 
this is and within the laws of our country this is yeah, how the thing support. operates and then we generally have said so far like anything that it, like it could be problematic but if it still kind of passes those like ethics checks then yes we allow it so I, yeah i feel like that needs to be clearer in that we meaning like me and you and the language that we that i think the, it's been clear well, like clear. on the site like we always have the guidelines listed of like what makes it so that you would get rejected but I think it needs to be made clear that the stance is, um, we... Maybe it was unclear for you. If it's unclear for me, it's unclear for other people because I'm one of the authors of the thing. Okay. And so if it's unclear for me, then that's, that's the reason why it's become unclear for other people in the community. Oh. Um, so it's clearly not clear. So what, what made it confusing for you? What made it confusing for me is that that I don't know if I don't know if people should be called experiment researchers. So then what should they be called? Is it more about than label or is it more about no, you said like the censoring and like representation. For me, it's for date when David expressed his concern, it was about the brand and endorsement of things that are controversial. At least that's how I understood what he wrote. For me, it's not about that at all. I want us to, I want experiment to be a place where controversial stuff can find a space. For me, it's about. Um, experiment as an organization claiming ownership over an independent person's work i don't think that's ever been the case i don't think there's that's ambiguous at all i would say experiment has never tried to claim ownership of that i'm not saying that we are i'm saying the language that we're using so so, so it's more about the label it's about like um it's about the label and how uh, researcher or like label researcher is used in other contexts and if it's used in other contexts and understood by society as um, a certain type of ownership of an entity over an individual yeah, then so it will be understood in our case when you were just talking about it, i was really confused because i didn't understand why like to me the difference in creator and researcher there isn't one mm -hmm. but would you be okay if it was instead of experiment researcher it was the term was exp researchers on experiment Yes. Like that that would solve, that would clear up that, yeah. that issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with something like that. Um, because I think, yeah, we've never tried to like take copyright or ownership of intellectual statements of property. We've never tried to like. I know that we've never done that, but I, I think our language needs to reflect that. Yeah, um, I'm sure we could definitely do a better job, like on our. No, it's not about copy. It's about social copy. It's like, because we, if, because when this question was asked, I was like, I totally understand why people, why someone writing social copy would do this because we've been doing this for so long. We call people experiment researchers and we have for a very, very long time. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's like it's trying to, to yeah, I, I kind of get that now. Um, the like, a tweet saying experiment researchers are doing this. Mm-hmm. 
like experiment researcher Denny is going to Alaska this summer. But Denny, we never asked Denny if he, for permission to call him an experiment researcher. Eh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of expected these days, but that definitely doesn't mean it's the best strategy. Um, I think it's more, honestly, it's just more helpful to understand the relationship of the content to the platform. Um, and I think that's more beneficial than any sort of like negative um, association of trying to claim ownership. I don't know. If, I'm definitely not phrasing myself well. Um, how do I say this? I think it provides valuable context. And I think that context is what people expect. Um, partially because the people who expect who have those expectations and understand that experiments endorsing and taking is making a claim about the quality of the science so i do think it should persist that's my short answer <laughs> without thinking about it too much i think the there's a nuance that so i agree that experiment is endorsing the quality of the proposal but i think the concern that david expressed was um, we aren't explicit that experiment is or is not endorsing the actual idea of the research. Um, I mean, how do you, how do you do the opposite of that? Do you make the tweet and then you say, and by the way, experiment does not endorse the scientific ideas of this project? No, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the tweet. I'm just saying in general. Um, I mean, I think most of the time I would say yes, experiment as a platform is endorsing the ideas of the projects. Because that is often one of the criteria that's reviewed, right? No. The idea? Is we it, don't. Is it scientific? Or is it count as... Is something scientific? Sorry, is not, I, not yeah. scientific. Is it? Does it count as research or exploratory or hypothesis driven? Or is it not? Is it product development? Is it... That's not endorsing project? the idea. That's endorsing the fact that we believe... The content here is a scientific project. Yes. Which is different from saying we think this idea it should be done. And I think our stance is we think every scientific idea within the realm of ethics and within the realm of the laws of the country should be done. Yep. Yeah. So if that's so the stance, then you can just say, yeah, to, yeah, you endorse every project. We endorse every project that is scientific, even if it's super controversial. As long as it passes the ethics. Yep. There you go. So, that's the answer. And I think that creates a very clear reason why Experiment Foundation and Experiment should be separate entities. Because the foundation can't endorse all yeah. science yeah. as a value, mm -hmm. as a stance? Well, I think because the foundation's customers can be quite conservative, it may become an issue conservative in terms of like um this could lead towards projects that will make someone upset or just in terms of like foundations have specific aims that they're working on and i think most times these big foundations don't want to support things that will make other people upset or make their own funders upset yeah my only problem with this conversation is it goes a little bit too far into hypotheticals like and then you start kind of debating these hypotheticals and then it, it then it, you end 
you end up running the risk of maybe setting a policy that um, is detached from reality. But we're not setting any policies. I know, but if, say, we... I mean, one policy could be, does the Experiment Foundation remain separate from the platform? In that case, um, that does have an impact, a lasting impact on kind of like the structure of the organization. Well, I think we've def- we've described in the past, like us and David have described Experiment Foundation as a customer of Experiment. And that other foundations would also be customers. Yeah. Which I think is an Wait, so important that was, distinction. So that was the concern. It was just for David. If he sees that Experiment is endorsing some of these projects, then he's worried about how his customers' relationships. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't say that. I mean, I did. I didn't ask you. We didn't start this conversation with that context, so maybe we should have. Well, he didn't say that. He didn't say any of that. Oh. But. I was trying to finally answer this question, and in the process, I thought about all the stakeholders and why certain stakeholders would ha- take issue with this. Well, because the project that was promoted, which I think is a great project, is like, can we engineer chickens to only birth girl chickens? <clears throat> which can be a controversial thing for people. And killing male chickens can also be a controversial thing for other people. And certain conservative organizations may not want to affiliate with cons- uh, with controversial yes. things. So, and we want people that want to affi- affiliate with controversial things to have a space. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's a good example of putting into more concrete world. Um, and that's a good example to like. It's it's like a, a integration test for the structure of the organizations. And if it can pass these kind of like many integration tests that we come up with, then maybe that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think but the other thing is also, I have to call it out, us sitting here imagining, like doing the work ourselves of considering all the stakeholders, that's still not good enough. I know. That's why I was really happy that this discussion happened in a public channel. And I think these types of discussions need to happen in more public spaces. Yeah, sure. I guess I was going to say that the the responsible way to do this would be to actually have conversations with the stakeholders. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And, and I think that, use that as the primary material. There's another issue here, which is that the only people that have a p- the power, the real power to make a decision are you and I. And I think that's an issue. That's um, true, technically. I'm not saying we need to deal with the issue now, but I, I will flag that as an issue in that... John and David, they can say whatever they want. Yeah, that's true. But it's not an equal power dynamic. Or I don't, I'm not saying it needs to be equal, but they don't have, there's no power in the dynamic. No, uh, you should, what you're trying to reflect is that people who can provide input don't necessarily have the ability to make that happen. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily whether Jonathan or David should have power. It's just right now that if they're the ones doing some of the work to organize and coordinate some of this information around stakeholders and you should yeah it equally you could say stakeholders who contribute should they have power and that would be a conversation mm-hmm. that's why i think this is a interest it's a good question because the question then why don't we just fucking do it do like, what don't make it so hypothetical let's just say for this particular let's run an experiment where we say for this particular instance let's do a situation where we could have them either have a vote on the outcome and then that we set that as policy and we record it on like a github issue of like the pros and cons and the debates and the stakeholders we talk to 
Yeah. I think since you're the boss of experiment, this is something that I will, I will present to you. And if you think that it needs this attention, then we'll move forward. But if not, then thank you for your attention. I'd be happy to work on this while we're in Seattle. I think it's a worthwhile thing to do. And it's better to do it when the stakes are low than when stakes are high. I don't know if that statement. I would say it's better to get as much practice as you can. Not yeah. necessarily about the uh, veracity of the stakes. But I don't I just really am concerned about like the Kickstarter um I honestly I don't think that applies. I understand kind of that story, the evolution, yeah. but like I don't think it. We necessarily. I don't think it should be prescriptive. I don't think you should use it as any sort of like example. But it every is situ- every situation. I, I'm is not saying that we will see the same thing that they saw. I'm just saying that if you don't tend to the garden when the garden is has weeds, the weeds get out of control. I think that there are millions and millions of types of weeds, and a gardener's job isn't to. Um, just weed. Gardener's job is to make the garden thrive. Which is like, if you're a gar- good gardener that wants to make the garden thrive, you should make it so you never have to pull the weeds that the other plants work with each other to make the space that they desire. Okay, so now we're getting into ideology about gardening. Yeah. Because they're different approaches. And I take us. I think that some approaches are better than other approaches. Yeah, some others are like, you know, I'm just going to buy this weed killer and spray it on everything. Yeah. And if it accidentally kills some percentage of the healthy plants, then that's okay. Yeah, I don't like that one. Whereas some are more biodynamic or some recruit ducks or some recruit bugs. Mm-hmm. More diversity is Some better. also don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> which is also a viable option. Yeah. But it's about what kind of gardener are you? That's the question. Then I think I'm the kind of gardener that wants everyone that's in the garden to... To be happy? To at least feel like we've... That the community has heard what they've said. Even if they're not going to do anything about it, at least say, like, I heard that this guy's sitting too close to you, but the reality is we only have one square footage. So there's not much anyone can do about this right now. So... Are you then the person who's dictating or making the final decision on who can be a stakeholder? What if there are stakeholders in the garden that you don't approve of or you don't like, or even you don't even recognize? It's like nighttime. It's like sometimes bats come in the garden and you're not even aware that there's bats. Are bats now a stakeholder that you have to make sure the garden serves? I think it depends. Yeah, so that depends. Are you the person who's deciding if it depends? I think the person that decides should be elected by the people in the No, I'm just saying in the ideology of gardening. In your ideal garden. Should I be responsible? Have that responsibility? I'm saying you have a garden. Okay, you clearly are not the kind of gardener who just would blast weed killer. You're not the kind of gardener that would just let everything grow, whatever. Mm -hmm. So those are you can think of those as the two different extremes. Mm Mm-hmm. You're the gardener who wants to make sure it's like in balance with its surroundings of the community and everyone who can voluntarily participate in the garden can have a positive relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's very extreme for me to make that assumption. Mm-hmm. But what if, say, your garden has participants that you don't like? 
Like, someone's going to come into your garden, eat everything, and then leave. Are they a stakeholder? Yeah, they are. Okay. So they're, they're a stakeholder in terms of the objective, like, they have a relationship with yeah. the garden. Yeah, and we have methods to <laughs> deal with those people. So, um, because let's say a negative... But they might provide something really positive, like like might poop. provide this golden poop yeah, that exactly. only they can provide. So bunnies are an example of this. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Uh, bad evil monster comes in, eats everything, and for, or they poop. But the fact that you're the gardener and you're the one who's um, keeping the the score sheet mm-hmm. of whether everyone's positive or negative, or if they're a stakeholder or not, mm-hmm. that's still. Like, what makes that better than versus just letting the garden do whatever it's, it wants? Doing the I think ideally approach. you should let the garden do whatever it wants. Which would just be chaos. And because experiment wasn't set up as a do whatever it wants, it was set up as a benevolent dictatorship, it is going to have a really tough time transitioning towards this, this like idealistic garden that I, I have in mind. Which is like everyone operates, all stakeholders operate independent of each other. They voluntarily coordinate with each other. Um, and if everyone decides they want to leave one day, then the whole thing just kind of becomes a ghost town. I just, I keep thinking about that movie we saw about the farm. The one where <laughs> the they burned down? Burned fire. Uh, it was called... It was like a family. Peach, peach, some apricot lane farms. And it was a family, and then they... And they, it's in a California. Biodynamic, biodynamic farm in California. Like mm-hmm. How... Before, it was like a desert area that had been like over-farmed, and it was basically dry and dusty, and the soil was dead. But there was... After they put in a lot of work to like set up the systems, there's kind of this like initial energy barrier. Once they overcame that energy barrier, then it entered a different state of equilibrium. Mm-hmm. But it's not pure equilibrium. It still requires them to do some work of just coordinating, connecting bits. It's like putting the ducks from the pond into the orchard so that they can eat the snails once in a while. Like, not every day. There shouldn't just be ducks roaming freely because maybe the ducks have to also, like, live in the pond or something to, like, clean up the algae or produce algae. I don't know what it is. But there is a a constant uptake of work required of labor required to maintain the balance yeah otherwise it goes it reverts back to the lower state of equilibrium where everything's just dead which is also fine which is also fine it's just a matter of opinion of which one you prefer right or which one you like well like the needs of the stakeholders change when i'm dead i don't need to eat any apricots yeah exactly say suddenly like the land doesn't care that there's apricots anymore it's just um yeah so i think maybe that's the way we should think about stewardship. I think that's how we should think about stewardship. Is that the right governance for an organization is one that can always be meeting the needs of the stakeholders as the stakeholders change. Which is like, can be a very labor intensive um, thing for the people involved. Which is, I think, what the NSS is, is a very labor-intensive way to try to hear the voices of all the stakeholders. And when you when people stop doing the labor, things fall apart really quickly. Yeah. 
But mm-hmm. when you do the labor well, the voices of everyone, um, not everyone, but the voices of the people that were um, considered stakeholders in the past are considered, and then hopefully the stakeholders that weren't considered in the past have a way of getting their needs considered in a future um, iteration. Yeah. And I think if computers can help with that, that will be a very valuable thing to have. Computers can. Um, I don't think we're working on that problem right now, though. But Yeah. Okay, maybe we should just send this episode to David. Make them listen to an hour of us uh, rambling. rambling. I was going to write something up because I think... I don't think there's going to be an answer, but to just write down what I think is the direction will be a thing that maybe someone can refer to and in a year. I think it's now. totally fine to have an answer for now. We just say, we do have an answer, but it's just for now. And until we want to revisit it or until uh, the conditions change enough to revisit it, then we can have a different answer. But for now, the answer is black. Which is your job. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to work on that. Okay. Okay. Because you're the official gardener of experience right now. Yeah. Basically, I just shovel poop around. It's still a job. It's still Which valuable. Which is extremely important job. Um, okay. I guess that's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>